This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, great big good morning to everyone again. It's, it's great to be here with you today. And, and what we're going to be talking about today in, a, in our next session on looking at the idea of belonging is, is the idea of, of can we imagine a new world? Can we imagine a new world? I think this is so much what we're trying to do. We want to be what the world is invited to become. And that doesn't, of course, mean a better than approach to things or that, that we or any group has something no other group does. It's not that at all. Matter of fact, I think where we can find uniqueness is the idea that we all share life, the good and the bad, that all are welcome here. It's something that's shared by all kinds of groups. Can I tell you what the highlight from last week was for me? I'm going to tell you anyway, so it doesn't matter whether you say yes or no. So, so the highlight last week was a beautiful one. I got invited down to speak on Martin Luther King's birthday at a church down on the main line, and it was a group... The Sisters of Shalom, Salam, which is peace in Arabic and peace in Hebrew. And it's, it's a group made up of Muslim and Jewish women who are seeking to bring those groups together. And they were celebrating the legacy of Martin Luther King. And it was, it was powerful. Like just, just sitting with those people and hearing their thoughts and being able to share our thoughts was was really, you know, it was beyond words. It, it was, that's, that's the world we're invited to become. Like, that's the world. And, and what if this, what if this, like, I've been thinking a lot about this, you know, this idea, today's theme is going to be, God gives us a table, not a courtroom. And, and what if the table really was the greatest gift that God gives? He uses it as an analogy over again. He loves to use analogies of the table, and also wedding banquets, by the way. Tables and wedding banquets. Have you folks had beautiful moments around your family table, yes or no? Have you had incredibly difficult moments around the family table, yes or no? Yeah, we get both, right? We get both. And somehow, somehow, the table manages to hold both and. And I think it's able to hold both in for this reason. Is what is always present is the will to embrace. The will to embrace. Miroslav Volf said that's the key to understanding Christianity. There's always this this unshakable will to embrace the other. Seems that's a very appropriate topic to talk about on Martin Luther King Day weekend. Now I want to give you an example here of of Jesus using a, a teaching where he's, where he's talking about, like, oh, this is the way a table can work. He uses a table as, as an example here, literally as a lived example. And so much of, of Christianity and the Lord's walk on this earth was showing what a lived moral experience looks like. Like, what does it look like not just to hold it up here as theory, but what does it look like as a lived moral experience that we walk in this life? And it's an incredibly beautiful, beautiful story. Here it is. This is from Matthew 9, if you're following along at home. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, and one of the things I say all the time, I know we have some first-time people, it's fascinating. Jesus never has anyone over for dinner. He's constantly inviting himself out to other people's houses, which I find really fun. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So tax collectors 
For those of you who don't know, they were, they, were, they were shunned. They were sort of like seen as almost like the mafia. Sinners of all shapes and sizes in the Jewish tradition, those would have been ritually, people were ritually unclean, came and ate with him and his disciples, those who were following him. When the Pharisees, which were the clergy at that time, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, why is he eating with these people? Why is he associating with these people? And hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, with that slide, I kind of think he's, he's talking about the Pharisees being the sick people, actually. You know, who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. This is such a beautiful answer. But go and learn this. He doesn't say like, no, you need to go eat with all these people. That's not what he says. Let me have you say the M word there. He says, I desire mercy. Ah, man. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Incredibly powerful passage there talking a lot about, about the world and the world that, that he was desiring. And, and so much of that kind of message around the table and, and, and what are the lessons that the table can teach you. I mean, Martin Luther King saw these kind of messages and he saw how incredibly important that is. That's why he sought to desegregate public spaces, including tables at restaurants. He saw it this way. The words of this text glitter in our eyes with a new urgency. Far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, this command is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love that will save our world and our civilization. Love even for our enemies. And maybe even getting to a point at some point in time where we can even get to a point of not having enemies. And that's where, again, God is seeking to give us this, the next slide, gives us a table, not a courtroom. Now, it was interesting, when I had mentioned this a few weeks ago, it's interesting how the two can even conflate together. A beloved parishioner told me, like, after church, when I mentioned this real quickly, she said, yeah, Chuck, you know what? Whew, we're having a big family dinner after church today, and I was thinking it was going to be the best courtroom ever. And how many times do we do that? We even, we even look at our family table as a courtroom. All guilty, please. Raise their hand. We do that all the time. But folks, this is a different call. It's a call to connect. A call to live life in the round. Remembering, as I say often, it's not a pyramid. Someone at the top, someone at the bottom, remembering that a pyramid... And the end is always this. It's always a tomb. But a circle, a table, that's a real conversation, dialogue, care, concern takes place. With that, I want to welcome my dear friend, Jeff Lights, onto the stage. We're going to sit at a table and have a little conversation. Please warmly welcome Jeff with me. Oh, yep, microphone. All right, so I have a special guest who's going to be introducing Jeff here. Just sit down, just sit down. All right, special guest will introduce Jeff on video. Don't you can't watch this. Hello, everyone. My name is Desmond Lights, ANC Class of 2010. 
It's a pleasure to welcome you to this week's continuation in the series on belonging and to present today's special guest, a man that I've known for quite some time. I want to thank Pastor Blair and New Church Live for the opportunity to introduce today's special guest, my father, Mr. Jeffrey Lights. Is it on? Mark, are we on? It's on. There we go. I know that guy. (laughs) I know that guy pretty well. I want to expound. I was sitting here looking at the slides, and I was thinking about what you were saying about a table and not a courtroom. It's so easy for us as believers and non-believers, so to speak, uh, to judge. You know, it's so easy to judge uh, as opposed to having others realize that they belong, you know, and and try to um, live the way that the Lord asks us to live, you know, um, accepting your enemies and pretty much uh, living on his word and and being open and honest about your beliefs. Um, I really feel excited about being here today. Because it's difficult. It's a constant battle. You know, the enemy is always busy. And um, we as believers, we have to, like you said, you know, not for the healthy, but for the sick. You know, um, those are the folks that we always need to talk to. It doesn't make sense to always fellowship with like-minded individuals. You know, it's the non-believers who need guidance and we want to educate them about the goodness of the Lord and his love for all of us. So of course we're imperfect. Um, there comes a time when you battle back and forth with the thoughts in your head. Yes or no. Anyone agree with that? Let's see. Uh, okay. I only got one hand up. All right. Two, three. Be, you got to be honest guys. Come on. We're all imperfect. So I'm just going to have a conversation with my good friend Chuck yeah. about some well, it's, of those it's things. So, so I have to laugh. Just a little background. Jeff and I go, go way back. I was thinking 20, way back. 20 years. Yeah. 20 some years. Yeah. And uh, his son, I remember Jeff, this is back when I was teaching. And, and Jeff literally caught me outside of the parking lot here. So it's before I was a preacher, when I was a teacher. And, and Jeff is like, Chuck, my son, Des, who I was teaching at that time, he's got a 50, I remember it, a 53 average. Now wait, I'm going to let him finish. This is a kid who did not get his first B in school until the seventh grade. And there you go. Continue. And, and so he, he, he had a 53 average, and Jeff, Jeff asked me, is he going to make it? And I'm nodding my head like, of course he is. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, no, he isn't. <laughs> and does he look good or what? I think he's done okay. I think he's done okay. So, so Jeff, like the, the question I, I, I'd like to ask, so, you know, if we could all just take a breath. Everyone together. Everyone together. And, and Jeff, thinking about what's, what the struggle is, like Martin Luther King Day, we, we come to it every year, and, and it's, it's surprising to me how much the day opens up every year just a little bit more to me, like the significance of trying to live a third way, trying to live something different. And, and it's a struggle. Like, it's a struggle. I, I know for me, like, what I'm struggling with right now is, 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 I heard somebody talking about how the primary thing to have in your life is acceptance, which is great, you know, great. You know, and that idea, yeah, we want to accept people, but we got to keep on moving the ball down the field, too. It's not just about saying I'm accepting where you are. It's about saying 
accept you where you are, and now how do we take some next steps? What, what are you wrestling with, you know, on your heart right now? That's a good point, Chuck. I know that the acceptance piece for me um, has always been a difficult task, but I think I've come to the realization that the differences that we all experience and the differences that we all possess is what makes us so great as a, a race and, and, and people. Um, we all have unique qualities and and things of that nature that make us who we are. So accepting people for who they are uh, kind of, you know, makes us understand one another. And it's all about understanding and belonging. Um, will we always agree? Who knows? Who's ever heard the, the same agree to disagree? All the time, right? So we agree to disagree because we're individuals. Yeah. But accepting people for who they are and understanding that, you know, our purpose, our sole purpose is to live together in harmony, you know. And, and sole purpose, S-O-L-E-S-O-U-L. Not S-O-U-L. Well, yeah, both, both ways, yeah. exactly, because, yeah, you know what, you threw me for a loop there, that's right. <laughs> Chuck always keeps me thinking, I'm telling you, that's why I love this guy, you know. Um, yeah, collectively, as, as people, we have to... Uh, we have to understand that the differences in people is what makes us great. Um, and accepting people for who they are uh, will make us even greater, you know, and bring us closer to God's love. You know, there's times when we are not worthy of his love. Yeah. You know, we're imperfect people, but he continues to love us um, because of who we are and who he is. And I know everyone will agree with that, correct? Show, show of hands, who agrees with that? <laughs> I got a lot more hands on that one. <laughs> um, Can so I ask for, you a question with that? Yeah. You know, interrupt there. So, so when you think about like your own life, like like right now, um, who's somebody who's who you look at, who's on your heart, who's just different than you, but boy, you've really enjoyed like kind of their company. Somebody you're like, yeah, you know, they've, they've got this difference, but boy, I've come to really appreciate So the reason I'm sitting here today um, and he's not much different than I am, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not sure if you all know Kevin Gibbons. He's the head coach of the basketball team at Academy of the New Church. And um, we kind of lost touch years ago. And uh, I ran into him at a basketball tournament. Um, Malcolm had to be, Des and Malcolm had to be like in their middle school years. So we talked, we kind of caught up, and um, that was it. So two years later, I get this phone call. I leave work and I have this message. And uh, he says, uh, hey, Jeff, this is your old teammate and friend. Uh, he didn't say Kevin. He told me his nickname. Squeeze. <laughs> Squeeze. And uh, he says, uh, I know one of those boys should be going to high school right now. Give me a call. I want to, you know, let you know about this opportunity I have for one of your sons. and uh, Or even both of the, the boys. So uh, I called him up and... Uh, I I um I brought Des up, and Des to, to let you know, Des was like a major homebody, like major homebody, very introverted. Uh, he came up, he met with Chuck, uh, he tested. Uh, and I told my wife at the time, I said, Sharon, he's not going to go to the school. You know, he's it's a great opportunity, but he's never coming to the school. We leave, we talk with Chuck, we get in the car, we're going back to West Philadelphia. I said, so Des, what do you think? He goes, Dad, I got to go to this school. I have to go to this school. And I'm like, almost about to go off the road. <laughs> like, 
can't believe this, right? So uh, fast forward, uh, what is that, 27, so he was 14, 13 years later. Um, I look at him. I look at him and the man he's become, um, and I learned so much from him and Malcolm um, about, you know, taking the next step and accepting people for who they are. Um, so as much as I was teaching them, they've been teaching me all along. Amen. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing. You know, you think uh, I'm the dad, you know, but who goes without learning? You know what I mean? You can learn from anyone. And I think the biggest piece uh, was I earned a new friend in you. Um, we can't, we don't talk every day, but there are times when, you know, Chuck is on my mind and I think about things he might say to me in a specific situation. I have a tough job. You know, I have a tough job at CHOP. Um, I work with kids who are mentally challenged and going through all sorts of things. And Chuck always gives me great advice. Always. Um, so, yeah, I've come a long way. <laughs> I've come a long, long way. And so have they. Yeah. So uh, I'm grateful to the Academy. I'm grateful to Kevin Givens. Um, I'm grateful to you. Um, I'm grateful to a bunch of people who are out there that I can't see right now, who I've befriended in this community. Um, you guys are like a second family to me. Um, and I'm honored to be here sitting, talking with you today, just openly and honestly about acceptance and belonging, because I feel like I belong here. Yeah, I do. My boys graduated years ago, and, and um, I'm still here. I'm not going to get all teary-eyed. I was close. That's why I had to cut it off. <laughs> Allergies. Jeff, I love you. I love you, too. Thank you for being here. You're such a dear friend, and uh, thank you for sharing with us about what belonging, all that looks like. Thank you, Absolutely. Jeff. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks, Thanks brother. Now, folks, as the, as the band comes out for a middle song, just, just think about in your life, like, like, how much that diversity matters. You know, how do we embrace it? How do we, how do we create that table? As, as, as somebody who's watching online said, you know, this table that has these magical chairs that keep on replicating and keep on growing. And knowing this, like, the beautiful part about a table is you have a choice. You have a choice. We can choose certain kinds of tables. And a lot of those tables, my friends, are so, so good, so filled with love, in such a way to create a sense of belonging for all our brothers and sisters. So, so I want to talk some about like this idea now about, about fellowship and, and, and table and belonging. And, and I want to look at a story dealing with Martin Luther King that was about that very thing. You know, how, how a table sometimes is, is, is easy, sometimes is hard, but that there's incredible lessons like plugged within it. Incredible lessons we can learn there. This story starts in Greensboro in 1960 with these four young men who decided, for the kids in the audience, like, like they had decided that this segregated kitchen counter where they would not be served because they were African American, they decided we're going to sit here until someone serves us. Until someone serves us. So they started out just as four, and then the next slide, then this happens. 
All of a sudden, a bunch of people. Pretty soon, it's like literally into the hundreds of people in this. And then this happened. The pushback happened. A lot of people didn't like that idea. Can we hold that slide up here, everyone? A lot of people didn't like that idea. So, so they came in to these people who were sitting in. And by then, it was African-American students and white students. And, and people who didn't feel that way came in and they started doing things like dumping sugar on their head and coffee on their head and, and all of those kinds of things. That's the pushback. That's where we're always struggling with the will to embrace. Because I think the will to embrace means that we have to, we have to look at this and we have to look at these pictures and we have to look at the totality of the picture. Coming at the whole thing with compassion. Coming at the whole thing with as best we can with love. There's, there's nothing easy, folks, about approaching these kinds of events, whether that be in American history or today. And Martin Luther King said something fascinating. Hate distorts the personality of the hater. We usually think of what hate does for the individual hated, or the individual hated or the groups hated. But it is even more tragic. It's even more ruinous and injurious to the individual who hates. I'm going to ask the booth, if, if the booth can scroll the whole way back to that picture of the people dumping sugar on other people's heads. This message, folks, and Jesus' message, the message of the third way, isn't just about saving people who are at the counter. It's really about trying to save everyone. And that salvation, that idea of that salvation, that salvation comes down to this idea of freedom. Folks, if you have hatred in your heart, you are not free. I'll say that again. If you have hatred in your heart, you are not free. That's what I think in a certain way makes the third way message so incredibly challenging and, and hard to follow because it's, it's not a simple binary of either or. It's about how do we embrace a both and that moves forward out there into the world. Some of that gets really hard. An honest thing I want to tell this congregation. I didn't advertise much that I was going down to see that group and speak down on City Line Ave, down, down in Mainline. Because I was nervous that I'd get pushback from some groups. And that doesn't make those groups bad and wrong. It just means when we try to step into this third way, it really is a challenge to do. It's hard to do. The courage to do it doesn't come, at least for me, very easily. But it's something that I really think we're called to work on again and again. Our worlds 
are so in need of this stepping out in that way, are so in need of new forms of table fellowship, of new forms of kinship, of new forms of connecting. I think, coming back to this passage, the Lord never turns his face away from anyone, spurns anyone, never casts anyone into hell or is angry. Blazing anger is attributed to God in the world, but it's actually the blazing anger in us. We're asked to kind of face this stuff and to, and to, and to understand that, that if we have hatred in our heart in any way, shape, or form, and that hatred is, is somehow connected with anger in any way, shape, or form, it... it it's so important to understand, like, is there some underlying view of God that kind of is askew with all that? In the new church, we don't believe God is even capable of hatred. We don't believe God is even capable of anger. We certainly are. But God certainly isn't. And the way in the new church we hold that is when we look at the Bible and we see passages that appear to show that God's really anger, as Emmanuel Swedenborg said there, that's really our anger showing up in those words. Not God's. So much of what this call is to is trying to figure out this will to embrace this simple will to embrace. And I think the will to embrace, it's, 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 folks, it's, it's like, uh, you know, like we have a dog who's like, anytime I come home is thrilled to see me. <laughs> Anybody else have a dog like that? Right? Is that a good feeling or what? Like, that's the world I think we want to create. I mean, that's the magic of Jeff in my life. Is, is I know I can call Jeff up or I can, I can chat with him. And he's, he's always like, good to see you. He, he, he just carries that with him. Remember a very sacred moment with Jeff down at CHOP. We had a parishioner whose daughter had been hit by a car. And we go down to CHOP, and Jeff does have a really hard job. He's also the mayor of CHOP. And I invited him down to have lunch with us, with this family and an uncle. And, you know, here's just this beautiful table fellowship. Again, strangers in a sense, but listen carefully. Strangers in a sense, but family at the core. Strangers in a sense but family at the core. That's the message we're called to give sacrificially towards in our life. And and what it demands here is both a new blindness and a new sight, which is kind of an oxymoron. But but it's a new blindness, number one. It's, It's a new blindness because there's certain things that we have to learn to not see. It has to be certain things we learn to not see. I don't know what those things are for you, but it's a worthwhile conversation. 
What do you need to stop seeing in other people? What's, what's sort of tripping you up? And then, what do you need to see? Your church, it's simple. We believe you serve the good in the neighbor. Everybody has good, so my job is to try to see what that good is and to try to serve that as best I can. I don't think that has to be heavy. I think it actually leads to a beautiful world. And because Jeff and I both have the same hairstyle, I picked this picture because I love it. Jeff, can you see that? Five-year-old best friends got their same haircut to trick their teacher so she wouldn't be able to tell them apart. (laughs) That's the world. That's the third way. That's what we're searching for. That's what Martin Luther King would say, it's not about me, it's about Jesus and about how he lived, and can we follow that? Because when we follow that and we give to it sacrificially, step by step, the world starts to change. The table starts to grow. That will to embrace, of course we see that will to embrace. You can go back and see what's now. You can understand that there were long, hard, challenging battles to make that a reality. But that in the end, we can choose it. And we can choose this kind of world. Take a look at this passage from the theology of the new church. The Lord's kingdom. Thy kingdom come. I will be done as in heaven, so upon the earth. The Lord's kingdom, I never say the S word there, the Lord's kingdom consists solely in mutual love. Solely in mutual love. All together. Brothers and sisters. Doing this thing called the will to embrace as best we can. Expanding our tables. Courtrooms have their proper place. But focused on that table. How we expand it. How we love one another. And how we take one step closer to being the family that God intends. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.